If period poverty is an issue you feel strongly about, but don't know where to start, Period Poverty UK are holding a fundraiser this week until 9pm on the 26th of March called Hashtag Red Rebel Day, hoping to raise £100,000 to help women and people with periods all around the UK and globe. You can donate at charityextra.com forward slash period poverty. Our guest today is the wonderful Elaine Denny. She has researched and written books and articles on pain, endometriosis and cultural diversity. Today we will be talking about the impact of endometriosis and how that differs from person to person. Hello Elaine, thank you so much for coming on and having a chat with me. Hello, thank you for asking me. Well, it's great to have you here. Um, Firstly, I was thinking before we get into endometriosis, what are you up to at the moment? Teaching, researching, etc.? Well, uh, I've just attended a, a conference, international conference on chronic illness, and um, it uh, should have been in Copenhagen, but uh, ended up on, on Zoom. Uh, but uh, we had a, a panel of eight speakers uh, on endometriosis. So uh, that was uh, very interesting a couple of weeks ago. And I'm doing some um, reviewing for the National Institute of Health Research uh, on their fund for their funding bids. So that's quite interesting seeing what uh, research is uh, being done in the UK. Absolutely. So that's uh, yeah, that's about me at the moment. Lovely. Well, apologies for the next few questions being very general. Roughly how many women suffer from endometriosis? Um, That's a good question. Uh, It's really difficult to estimate. It varies between 1% and 10%, depending on who you read. Um, It could well be higher because a lot of women aren't diagnosed. Mm. Um, So uh, that's probably about the best estimate is between 1% and 10% of women of reproductive age worldwide. Wow. So a significant portion of these sufferers, they don't go to the doctors because the pain that's associated with the condition is mistaken for menstrual cramps. How important a factor do you think awareness around this condition is? It's very important. Um, Women and girls get uh, told that it's, oh, it's just part of being a woman, that... uh, uh, menstrual pain is just normal and uh, um, even if they do go to the doctors they often find that they're fobbed off or their pain is dismissed. Absolutely. Yeah so women are accused of being hypochondriac or malingerers and this is from family and friends as well so they often end up uh, doubting themselves because everyone around them uh, is saying oh look we all have to put up with the same thing. And if they go to the doctors, they can end up uh, being being fobbed off uh, as well. But it sort of begs the question of what is normal? You know, is it, um, uh, and we haven't got this uh, yardstick that we can say, well, this is normal pain, this is, is not, this goes beyond normal pain. Um, and even if we did, um, how would we judge one person's pain against this mythical idea of normal it's it's very difficult for women to um and girls to to just know exactly uh what to do when they feel that 
they are in such a lot of pain. Absolutely. So here at Gift Wellness, we supply menstrual pads to refugees around the world who are suffering from poor menstrual health care. Um, I understand you've done research on how ethnic identity plays a part in the diagnosis relating to menstrual health. This is um, research we did on five different communities in the in the UK, and there was a, a massive variation. Uh, for example, we uh, interviewed Greek w- or women of Greek heritage, and they were all very open. They would talk to their dads about menstruation. They would, you know, talk to friends, male friends as well as female friends. Very open. Mm-hmm. At the other end, uh, South Asian women, Pakistani women, uh, to a less extent, Indian women, um, mm. their menstrual disorders were often associated with promiscuity or, or uh, sexually transmitted infection. Right. Um, and so they were much uh, more wary about uh, uh, being, being open about uh, experiencing period pain or, or the other symptoms of of endometriosis, um, it isn't just uh, period pain. And it could actually destroy uh, a woman's marriage prospects, uh, which within these communities is, is very important. So, um, so the, uh, the cultural aspects of endometriosis, uh, it's very important for uh, doctors to have uh, sensitivity towards cultural differences so for example women may um may miss appointments if if somebody they know it they see them in the doctors or in the hospital clinic they may actually Mm -hmm. then leave and not take up their appointments um and if um they may not openly discuss their real problem once they get into the uh, doctors or, or hospital clinic. So it's right. very important that um, doctors and other health professionals have an awareness of these uh, cultural differences, yes. Mm, absolutely. So in 2017, you published a book titled Pain, a Soci- Sociological Introduction. Firstly, congratulations, um, and secondly, what led you to this area of research? It was really because of, it came out of my uh, research on endometriosis mm. uh, because that led me to start thinking more generally about, uh, about pain. And why is it that some pain is just believed unquestioningly um, and some, like uh, uh, the pain of endometriosis, is just dismissed or trivialised uh, and why is it that women's pain gets dismissed more than men's? So it was these sort of questions that came out of my endometriosis research that uh, led me to start thinking about uh, about uh, pain and made me want to look at the whole uh, area of pain through a sociological lens, uh, which is then how the how the book came out. Well, it's, it's a fascinating area because um, it is such a problem that women's pain tends to be trivialised, like you say. Um, and it's, it's very difficult to then know when something is worth going to the doctors for. So you've been very busy in these fields over the years. 
Where do you see the research around these topics moving on to the in the future? Are there any gaps in the research you think? Um, yes, I, I mean there are quite a number of gaps. Um, I mean it's still very difficult for women to, as we say, be believed um, and and being accepted as as credible patients. Mm. Um, and it's particularly difficult where you've got um, symptoms that are. Uh, quite common in the wider population. So, for example, women will say, well, we all get period pain. Every woman gets period pain unless they're very mm-hmm. lucky. So, you know, where you've got these these sort of symptoms, um, it's then very difficult to gain credibility where um, these symptoms, when they're really exaggerated, I mean, exaggerated in experience, not... Uh, um, Absolutely. And, and there's still a delay. When I started in two thousand, the year two thousand, uh, the delay in diagnosis for women with endometriosis was about eight years. It's now wow. in twenty twenty one. It is eight years. There's been no change in this. So um, there's still work to be done in this. Um, uh, I in this delay in diagnosis, why it happens. Um, and endometriosis is not really a disease that's of uh, a lot of uh, medical interest. It's not heart mm. surgery or cancer or anything. Um, as one woman said to me once, it's not a sexy disease. Uh, and that's, <laughs> that's uh, really the problem. So we need to, I think, look a lot more at health professionals and how how they treat women who come to them with uh experiences that could be endometriosis um there's also i think a lot of women use complementary therapies at one time or another um there is some research on this but it's really poor quality and we don't know which of these therapies are do help women um and which don't you know is there something more than Sort of Western biomedical science that that could help women. Um, non-heterosexual women, trans men. There's just no research on on this group of people at all. And right. I think we need to think about the other women um, and and trans men and their experiences and what happens to them within the healthcare. And finally, um, older women, Um, what is the toll of disease? You know, many operations, many drugs over a long period of time. You know, what what happens to these women as they get older? Uh, Does it it improve? Does endometriosis improve? Or just, is it just different? Do they experience it differently? So there's still an awful lot of... uh, work I think that needs to be done uh, on the experience of endometriosis. Absolutely. Well it'd be fascinating to see these sorts of research coming out in the hopefully in the near future. Um, I can comment on that I didn't although I know of endometriosis I never had a very deep understanding of what it was or the symptoms really. I knew that it included heavy period pain um heavy periods and intense period pain but like you say it's it's very difficult to know on a threshold of of what pain is is 
medically really, really bad and, and what is just bad to each woman. And there's, uh, there's other symptoms as well that are, are less well known. For example, uh, pain on intercourse is very common. Um, around three quarters of women experience that. Um, right. And fatigue, quite severe fatigue. Um, and they, these are uh, uh, symptoms um, and pain in between periods as well. Uh, and these symptoms are even less well known than the um, more commonly known, but still not that well known, symptoms <laughs> of dysmenorrhea. Right. Yep. I didn't know some of those um, symptoms were connected to um, endometriosis. That's really good to know. I think education in schools um, and in communities, it would be really helpful to have a bit more of an open conversation about it in all settings. But it is so difficult when uh, menstruation is something that's supposed to be kept hidden. It's shameful. Um, the, what's often called the etiquette of menstruation is that you don't talk about it, you know, you, especially to men. Um, and so it's very difficult for a lot of women to actually even approach um, friends or family or, or doctors and other health professionals um, because it's the, the problem with endometriosis is that it requires that what should be kept secret and is taboo is actually brought out into the open. That's, that's difficult for people. Yes, it definitely is, um, which I think is why podcasts like these are so important to be able to have an open conversation about these, these sorts of things um, and destigmatize. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting to me. I've learned a load. I'd really like to read your book about pain. I think it sounds something very, very interesting. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Next week's guest is Sarah Boateng, founder of IGEA, the non-profit organisation invested to deliver projects supporting the quality education of girls in rural parts of Africa. We will be talking about the effect period poverty has on their education. Mm-hmm.